Uh, I can look around today and see it's August. We have tons of people that are out on vacation and tons of people that I don't know that may be vacationing here. We're grateful for all of you, both those who are away and those who have come to visit, those that are watching online this morning. I'm grateful that uh, you would spend time with us today. For those of you that I don't know, my name is Doug DeMint, and I have the wonderful privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Grace Assembly. And uh, this is my first time back in the pulpit in a couple of weeks. Uh, I want to thank Larry Frank and Mark Freeman for ministering the word uh, for the two weeks that we were away. Uh, My wife and I got to join with 28 other family members to celebrate my father's 85th birthday. And so we were at a Airbnb in uh, Branson, Missouri on the lake. And for all of you that think that it's relaxing, 28 of us were together. Let me just... 28 of us were together, and uh, some of them were babies. It was, it was wonderful to me to see my father because, you know, when you're asking your dad, hey, dad, what do you want for your birthday? And he says, time and people. I want time with my people. And so to see him just sitting there, look, I, I looked at him and I said, you know, you and mom, this is all your fault. Uh, and uh, it was a great joy. One of the highlights for me is that um, with my father, who has been an Assembly of God minister for over 60 years, and myself and my son, who's the executive pastor at the Mission Church, Assembly of God Church in Hudson Valley, three generations of us got to baptize two of my granddaughters and my grandniece. Uh, And I had the opportunity of thinking after having a chance to dedicate my two granddaughters and my father dedicating his great-grandniece to have, by the way, we have found the best use for a hot tub. Uh, We turned the water temperature down just a little bit and we had a celebration of generations of godliness seeing our grandchildren and great-grandchildren baptized. And I just want you to know, I know some of you that are here, your first-generation Christians. I mean, it was, you may be the first people in your family to intersect the grace of Jesus Christ and in understanding that, respond to that. And I just want you to know the things that your children and your grandchildren and any future generations will be spared because of the decision that you make to follow Jesus Christ will be incredible. Uh, To be able to sit there and recognize that I am living under the blessing of a great-grandfather who prayed for for us and, and to watch each of us succeeding generations that are growing up being spared from the hardship of the world because of the relationship with Jesus Christ. So for those of you that are just starting this journey, you have no idea yet, but your whole family tree is going to be changed because of the relationship that you have. And some of you are like me. You're in the third and fourth generation of of living for Christ and you're living under the blessing of praying grandparents and parents that that have raised you up in this. And so I'm so grateful that in a multi-generational congregation that we have here, which by the way, I believe is the way it's supposed to be. It's a healthy place that we can get to see what God is doing in so many different levels. So thank you for praying for us while we were away. We're glad to be home. And if you have your Bibles, I would appreciate it if you take them and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
The title of the message this morning, and I'm going to be very brief, I'm just going to highlight some things because we're, we're getting near the end of a series that I've been speaking on for the past several weeks called Led by the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And today, I want to talk to you a little bit about understanding spiritual gifts. How appropriate today that we have been in a service where the Spirit of God has manifested Himself through prophetic words and words of encouragement uh, so that we can begin to understand this. So Father, as we approach your word today, I ask that you would lead us and guide us, teach us and help us to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starts out by saying, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. How many of you have ever gone on vacation and put a hold on your mail when you were away? Cindy and I did this, and we came back several days early than what we had anticipated, and so rather than waiting several days for our mail, I went to the post office, informed the, the lady that was working there that we were back early, and could I get my mail, and she goes to the back, and she says, how long have you been away? And I said, why? And she comes out with two bundles of mail under her arm. And she said, you must be very important. And I said, stand here a minute while I filter through this. And you begin to throw everything that is useless, and then you walk out with just a few things that are really important. I was thinking about that the other day as I was reading 1 Corinthians, and we were getting to this, thinking about what it was like when Paul wrote letters. Now, some of you I know are writers, and so in your emails, you're always really long in your emails. Some of you that are writing letters, you're long. Uh, There's others of us that live in a text society where we have limited characters, and we know that two, three sentences, you're good here. Paul, on the other hand, I can't imagine what it was like for whoever took the mail when Paul wrote a letter. Shows up at the Corinthian church and said, hey, we got a letter for you. And they come up and hand a couple of scrolls. They say, oh, this is great. No, no, it's from Paul. I've got 12 other scrolls that are, that are waiting here for you. Paul was wordy in the way that he presented things. He was very detailed in everything. And he starts out this letter by saying this, I do not want you you being the church at Corinth and also to us that are reading this today, I do not want you to be ignorant 
of spiritual gifts. The first thing that we need to recognize is this term that, that is used here, the word ignorant, we, we often hear it used today as a derogatory term about people. Well, there you're so ignorant, you know, we use it in fights. That was not the way that the Apostle Paul was using this term. In fact, he was using it in such a way saying, listen, I do not want you to lack knowledge. I do not want you to lack awareness or information about spiritual gifts in the church. And there's a couple of different ways that the ignorance existed in the church in that day and still to us today. One sort of ignorance is the ignorance of a people that will not open the gifts that God has given to them. They simply, for whatever reason, choose, I am not going to take everything that God wants to give me. So there are some people today that believe... If the gifts are for today, I would prefer not to be one of those to manifest any of the gifts. And so I'm going to leave those closed. Or, or some people that think, I do not have the spiritual vitality or the spiritual life that I need to be used of God, so I'm not going to open those gifts. Or sometimes gifts have not been opened because a person believed that these gifts correspond to natural talents and gifts that you may have in your own personal life. And so there are those that with spiritual uh, fear or a spiritual low sense of awareness say, God could never use me, and so I'm not going to open any of those. Or they say, you know, only people that are teachers have the gift of knowledge. You know, they, they have to be able to take the word and teach us. Or only people that have life experience can teach us what wisdom is. Or just people that are naturally optimistic are those that have the gift of faith. And so they look at this and say, I'm not going to open those because I don't feel that I have any natural gifts that would correspond to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. There's also a group of people that in ignorance won't open those gifts because they don't believe they're for today. I would say to you, if you were in that camp, just listen to what God said today through the manifestation of the Spirit in prophetic words and how many people here today said, that was exactly where I am in my life. For us to know that the Spirit of the Lord knows what's happening in your life, knows what's happening in your family, and knows what's happening in our world and will address you because His Spirit has allowed the freedom to do so for us to recognize that they are for today. Some people leave them unopened because it's inconvenient for the service they're in. I'm a Pentecostal preacher and I have been grateful to grow up in this, but I, I have to tell you that it is concerning to me to talk to other pastors who say, you know, we don't have a manifestation in our church very often because we try to keep things moving so that there's not an interruption to the service that we have planned. Let me tell you something. This is God's church and he can interrupt it any time he wants to interrupt it because it's important that we recognize that we are not living this on our own, that he's got to have the ability to speak and be received in the lives of people. And so you will recognize even during our worship time, we give space in the event that the Holy Spirit wants to use one of those times to speak through people. But there are those that say, hey, it's inconvenient. we got to keep things moving. Then there are those that are ignorant and won't open the gifts because they say this. It scares our guests. 
The Holy Spirit scares people and they're never going to come back again. If there's a message in tongues, and, and let me tell you, having set up here through the years, I have recognized when there is a message in tongues, you can tell who the people are that have never been in a church where there was one before because their face goes. <gasps> Every one of us have been there at one time or another where the Spirit of the Lord shows up in a way that is outside of what is normal. And if you've come from a very conservative and very quiet background, it will scare you to death. However, I do not believe that when God shows up that people leave. I believe that when God shows up, there's something about His Spirit that draws people to Himself. They may be frightened for a moment. They may say, hey, I just need some instruction on this to make sure that this is biblical. And I want you to know here we will teach you about what the Bible says so that it can rem remove the fear and then we just enter into, is that biblical? Is it right? If so, how do I apply that in my life? But there are those that will say, you know what? Being the type of church we are, we want everybody to feel welcome. Well, I want God to feel welcome in his church. There are others that say we won't open those gifts. We're ignorant of them because, frankly, there are times where people can get into a habit of, well, you know what, I need to say something, I need to do something, and as a result of that, sometimes in some churches, the gifts are seen as ineffective or they're powerless or they're in a, uh, irrelevant. I want something that is fresh and alive that will touch our hearts. And as we look in the weeks to come, I'm going to take each of these gifts and describe them and see how God wants to apply them in not only in every life, but also how he wants to apply those in our church. We, we come to an understanding that these gifts are supernatural impartations of God's grace, which are given to his body at specific times, and they are not natural. They are not something you create. They are God-given, and they are God-designed. They may or may not correspond with whatever natural talent you may have or may not have, but they are supernatural in their working. Paul said the other kind of ignorance that's associated with spiritual gifts, as he was specifically speaking to the church at Corinth, was the misuse of the gifts once they had been opened. This was the problem in the church at Corinth. He recognized that they were not having a problem of not having any manifestations. Their problem was they, didn't be, they weren't even able to have a service because there were so many people that were being used in the gifts of the Spirit and, and there were some things taking place. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. There is an order. There is an order to the way God wants to do things within his church. And so he recognizes and brings us to an understanding there's two kinds of extremes for Pentecostal believers. One of them is, a, we call it charisphobia or a, a fear of what the Spirit of God is doing. The other side is charismania. And, and, and for that, it's that you get so caught up in what the Spirit of God is doing that you forget that Jesus is to be proclaimed and that lives are to be changed. And so he said we need to bring a balance to that. And so Paul is writing not to correct a fear of or a charisphobia, but to correct the charismania that was taking place in the church at Corinth. So Paul corrects them by identifying the following misuses. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with each of these, but I do want to at least highlight them to your thinking. First of all, he indicated to them that they were considering gifts competitive rather than complementary. They were considering them competitive rather than complementary. So here's what was happening in the church at Corinth. 
People have been baptized in the Holy Spirit personally as a result of that they had a prayer language that God was giving them as they spoke in tongues. And so numbers of people were standing up and speaking out in tongues. There was no interpretation. It was just that it almost seemed as if, if I do this, I'm going to show everybody how spiritual I am. And so it becomes my spiritual badge of honor that I can speak in tongues. And as a result of that, the whole purpose of a service being able to to teach and to preach and to reach was being thrown away because everybody felt like they had to have their moment in the sun and using their gifts. And persons were comparing themselves, and there was a a spiritual arrogance that began to arise. Let me tell you something. As, As Pentecostal people, we have no room for spiritual arrogance. We are nothing without the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. I am nothing without His grace and His mercy that saved my soul. It's because of Him my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, not because of any abilities that we may have. And so he was saying... Because of the way you're doing this and the the expression of these gifts constantly taking place in a service setting, you are misusing a gift that God wants to use for good. Interesting enough, all of these gifts are expressed in the personality of Christ, but they're given to the body as individual gifts so that no one person can fully express all of them. Now, there may be those of you that have more than one of these gifts, There may be some of you that right now you're thinking, I don't have any of them. Oh, yes, you do. If you have followed Jesus as your Savior and you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have a gift. You may not have opened it yet, but that's the fun of Christmas. There is Christmas every Sunday as we begin to unlock and pull the paper off of the things that God wants to accomplish within our life. But they are distributed so that the body can be edified. The second thing that Paul corrects is this. People were not considering love to be essential in the way they use the gifts. Oftentimes when there are manifestations of the Spirit here, we take a little time and and point out that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, there's instruction. But sandwiched in that, I remember Larry Frank preaching a message not too long ago on, on the sandwich chapter of chapter 13, which is the love chapter. And it's out of that that he said, this is the motivation of our heart. This, it's, you know, for those of you that like Oreos, some of you pull the chocolate parts apart on the outside and dip them in, and you get rid of the middle. We are not to get rid of the gooey middle of chapter 13 because it is the motivation that when we are used in these gifts, if, if love is not your motivation, then the gift is worthless. We especially need that in our culture today where we divide ourselves on the things that we hate. That term is often used, hate. Sometimes we are going to be hated. We in the church, as spirit-filled Pentecostal believers, cannot allow a root of hatred to grow in us toward groups of people or belief systems because God can only use us when what is motivated from our heart to be used comes from a heart of the Savior's love for people. He doesn't wish that any would perish. And so he said, if you don't have love at the core of being used, then what you're doing is standing up and saying, I just want to put on a spiritual showcase. And that kind of arrogance will lead to a downfall. We are never to be used to show how spiritual we are if it's not undergirded by love 
If it's not, it will lose its power of expression. Now, this morning, I took a drumstick that I had, and, and Paul says, if you do this without love, it's like a clanging cymbal. And I went back there, and I hit one of those cymbals, and my ears are still ringing. So I'm not going to do that again. I am not too old to learn. Those things are loud. But it does give us an indication that if our motivation in coming to the church is just to see how loud we can get without the motivation of loving people, then it's worthless in everything that we do. He also wanted to correct them by saying, you have not regulated the gifts through proper order. There was a state of general confusion that was going on in those worship services at that time. And through the years, I have recognized how order brings peace and comfort to those that are part of a church. Now, you need to know that when there are messages in tongues and interpretations, when the gift of faith is being used, when there's, when there's a word of knowledge or prophecy, that your pastors here are going to take the time to want to make sure that those that are in attendance that day have an instruction on why that is available for us to tap into, or if there is something that's out of order, you need to feel the safety that your shepherd is going to call it out of order. When I was back in Bible college, I attended a class called Pentecostal Foundations, and our teacher was Mother Flower. Mother Flower was the mother of Joseph Flower, who at one time was the pastor of this church years ago, back in the, the 50s. He then became the district superintendent of New York and became the general counsel secretary, one of our executive officers. His mom taught my Pentecostal Foundations class. She said, I'm not going to teach you out of a book. I'm going to teach you about my life because I was there when this whole thing started. And so we would listen in her as she would come and she would tell the stories of, of from 1914 of the power of Pentecost as it began to fall and what it was like to walk out of a church and see people that, that were laying under the power of God, laying in the grass outside the church that couldn't even walk by without the power of God affecting them. Folks, we've got a little ways to go before there's people out here that have to park and fall out of their cars as they're driving by because of the power of God, but all things are possible. I remember being in a, the church that I attended was Central Assembly, and there was probably about 2,500 people that attended that service. And Mother Flower would regularly be used in a gift of prophecy or tongues or interpretation or a word of knowledge. And there was one Sunday that there was a gentleman that stood up on one side of our sanctuary and he began to give a, a, a word of knowledge and then Mother Flower on the other side, being a little harder of hearing, stood up and began to speak and Pastor Wanamaker at the time stood up and he said these words that I never ever thought I would hear. Mother Flower, you're out of order. And she looked up and stopped and sat down immediately. When we came to class the next day, she said, I want you to know something. Number one, we all felt really embarrassed for her. Think, I, I was really, really glad I was not the pastor at that time. But she said, I want you to understand that this is how the Spirit of God works. I could not hear what God was doing. I didn't know that somebody else had begun. She said, it was totally proper for me to be told somebody else has started and in the interest of having order and decency, I needed to sit down and then my time will come another time. She says, by the way, that man said the exact same thing that was on my heart. And it was from that that we who are trained, being in training to be pastors, begin to recognize spiritual maturity is indicated in submission and humility, not in spiritual arrogance. 
And so, interesting enough, through the years, I'm in my 40th year of being a pastor, through the years there have been situations where I have had to instruct people and I've discovered something. I've had people stand at me and and yell at me and say, you're just trying to quench the Holy Spirit when I was trying to bring correction to them. And it was the attitude of arrogance that indicated to me in discernment they are not being used of the Spirit. And those that receive teaching you can begin to recognize truly they are being led by the Spirit because of the humility that they take. That was what Paul was trying to tell the church, that there needed to be an order because otherwise in the frenzy, people may say they're getting blessed, but nobody is being edified. And so one of the reasons why we give instruction when there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is because you need to know in that moment that you have to take what you heard And you have to apply it to the word. And is this true? Is it biblical? And if so, are there parts of that that, Lord, you're speaking to me from? And in that moment, we then can determine whether or not that God is using an individual to speak into our lives. Paul went on to say, he says, listen, another thing that needs correction is that you are not evaluating the appropriate appropriate exercise of the gift. We have entered into a day and age in the culture in which we live where if you are a guest and you enter into the church, it used to be, I I can remember growing up that we had individuals that when they stood up to give a message in tongues, it was loud and if you sat anywhere near them, you were scared to death. And so we have to understand today the culture in which we live that if you are a guest and you come in and somebody stands up and loudly, belligerently begins to try to bring forth a manifestation, their first thought is not, oh, God is doing something. Their first thought is somebody is coming in to kill people because that's the culture that we live in. And so Paul was saying you need to understand how to appropriately apply the gifts of the Spirit. And so if you are a deliverer of that, you need to be aware of your surrounding. Now today, we are not only here live, but we also have people that are watching online, which means that there's times that we have to, to try to briefly encapsulate what a message may be for those that could not hear it while they were watching live stream. But it doesn't mean that God's not talking to them as well. And so there's an appropriateness that comes from this. And he was, he was encouraging them. You need to understand that you can be used, but make sure that you're culturally appropriate to what is happening there. The other part of that is that if there is a message in tongues, it must be interpreted. We've had situations here where somebody feeling as if they may be used of the Lord to give a message in tongues, and during that time, I will wait an appropriate amount of time to find out if there's something or somebody that may feel they have an interpretation or I might even ask, is the Spirit of the Lord prompting one of you for something? And if after an appropriate amount of time nobody says anything, then I will say perhaps this was just for your personal edification today and we will move on. A mature heart says, okay, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. There are times that we might misinterpret something that was intended for us, or it might be that somebody else was being disobedient and did not want to obey the Lord and giving an interpretation. But we do not have the right to look at situations like that and diminish somebody's spiritual nature because of that. It's part of the growth process in growing in these things. And so there's an appropriateness that comes as we grow in these. 
Paul went on to also say to them, listen, one of the issues you're dealing with is you're using your gifts as a barometer of spirituality. Now, here is one of the dangers that we have is that we have people in our church that have the gift of tongues, have the gift of interpretation, have the gift of knowledge, have the gift of prophecy, and many times it can be the same individuals. But let me tell you something, and this is not to their discredit, it does not mean they're more spiritual than you. It doesn't mean that they're standing up to show the badge of how spiritual I am in all of this. It means that that is the gift that God may have given them, and each time it is to be interpreted, and each time it is to be judged. But let me tell you something. I'm desperately praying that God has given some of you the gift of healing. I know that it works in our children's life because I remember my wife had a back issue one time and it was a child that came up to her, laid hands on her and prayed her and God healed her. Let me tell you something, even our children can have spiritual gifts that need to be motivated and grown and developed for the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ. But they are not to be a barometer of our spiritual life. Let me also add this as I get close to the conclusion. Worship team, you can please come if you would. Can I just tell you this? Your life and the way you live, what you say and what you do will either elevate the gifts that God may give you or it will diminish them. God doesn't choose the perfect to administer his gifts through. But if your life is being lived in such a way that you compromise the very message that you are proclaiming, then others, when they are judging the gift, will not look just at what is being said, but will judge the container that the gift is coming through. And they, and they may very well then diminish what is being said because the container that is coming through is not consistent with the message that they're bringing. Does that make sense? And so when we're seeking the Lord, Father, I want the gifts of the Spirit. I, I want to be used in the manifestations of the Spirit. And, and starting next week, I'm going to take each of these and I'm going to break them down. And we're going to look at them and, and we're going to seek God for them because we desperately in this culture need all of the gifts of the Spirit. All of them. Depending on how you read it, there could be anywhere from 19 to 24. But just because something is used publicly, vocally, there, there are vocal gifts, but there are other gifts as well. Does not elevate one gift above the... In fact, the most important gift is whichever one you need at that time. But Paul said, listen, I just need to bring some correction and I, I need to bring some guidelines to this and I want us to be fully Pentecostal, but I want God to be able to work within the decency of order. Does that make sense? They are not mutually exclusive. God can do marvelous things. He can build great bonfires of His presence within the rocks of His Word. Frankly, I would rather correct a fire that gets outside the rocks than have to start a flame in wet wood. Give me the fire. We need the fire.